Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good. Navigating life right now. A um, lot going on in our world, and so it's good to come together and to pray and worship and seek God's face and uh, trust in the Lord. He's good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Y'all open your Bibles to John chapter 4, and I want to thank <clears throat> Drew Land for preaching last week, if you're watching, Drew. Um, he did a great job. You know, th- that was one of those messages. I was sitting there listening to Drew preach on worship, and it was one of those messages that, like, probably uh, it took 25 years to write. You know, it just, there's that level of authority in it and pain and brokenness and hard stuff and life, and just was super encouraged and from the heart of a worshiper, so thankful. And so today we're going to be building on that. The first week, we talked about God and the relational God of uh, worship and the relational God of love. And last week, worship and trusting God, uh, I think the way Drew said it last week was that worship as the declaration of words and deeds, that God is worthy and trustworthy. That's who, that's who God is. We want that kind of worship flowing in our lives. And I'm going to come back again and touch base on this passage that we looked at the first week, but kind of make some different points with it about spirit and truth worship, that that's what the Father's looking for, is worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. And so uh, I, I'm thinking, uh, I, I'm this, I've just had this word in my head all week long, embodied worship, like embody the worship of the living God. That's what God, he wants us to, to get it out, the, the worship that's on the inside, get it out in our bodies. And so there is some overlap now. As you know, we've been kind of doing our, our Sunday morning messages in conjunction with Jim Reynolds and his podcast, The Politics of Jesus. We've been talking sermons with him, and, and so, but he's been doing more of a, it's been more of a practical, uh, this particular thing that he's on. He's calling it The Other Six Days. And um, that's what we're going to be talking about a bit today is taking our worship into the streets. It's not just about here. It's all of life. In fact, most of the New Testament words about worship don't talk about a worship service. It's just about worshiping God in your life. And then that's a powerful revelation that Jim has. In fact, his first, his first one is the other six days. And then the first, title of the first message was, Can a Lawyer Be a Disciple? The answer, of course, is an emphatic yes to all of our lawyers that are watching or in the room. Lawyers can be disciples, but it's hard, you know, and so you have to make a commitment to live out life with Jesus in the real world. And so uh, I also, part of the embody thing that I want to touch on too is I've got a friend who named Andrew Franklin, and he's planting a church, starts in September out of Mosaic, our Antioch church in Seattle, and uh, so he's planting in at East Side, Mosaic East Side, I guess is how they're going to say it. Is that Bellevue kind of area and that kind of thing? I'm looking to a Seattle person over here. And uh, so, um, and he wrote this book um, called Created for Love, Reclaiming Jesus' Vision for Sexuality, Gender, and Relationships. It just came out. And I just, I was given it last Friday and I read it already. And, but one of the things he's talking about in there that I thought it just expands our thinking for this message on worship, he said, you know, we embody love. We are image bearers and we embody the love of God so that people can see what the love of God looks like. And like, that's it. We embody worship. We're image bearers so that we, people can see what the worship of God looks like in people. That make sense? So we're talking about embodying Worship. Part of our purpose then is to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is bringing us, has brought us into fellowship and communion in Him, in His body, in His resurrected body, into the very presence of God. 
That's the, that's the good news. Jesus represents God to us, but he also represents us to God, bringing us as the high priest into the throne room of God, sharing in the love between the Father and the Son and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that's good news. Our worship is Trinitarian. There's, there's really no other kind. And if we don't keep that before us, that it's a relationship of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. We end up worshiping kind of a, a blobby, amorphous kind of God that's out there beyond Pluto somewhere. And that's not our God. Our God is the God that's revealed in the sending of the Son and the Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, laying some heavy theology on you guys, but that's the truth of all truths. Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. He's the Son of God. Amen. Okay. All right. John 4, verse 24. This is verse 19, actually. Let's start there. Okay. Everybody doing all right? Okay. Please amen or something if I'm saying something good. Um, all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a setup. All right. Okay. Sir. The woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. So I'm picking up, we talked about this passage a couple weeks ago, and this is the Samaritan woman. And it's amazing, uh, you know, I was, uh, it's been uh, 21 years. In 2000, I was in Nablus, and we were in the West Bank there with uh, some missionary friends that, that lived there and were ministering to Palestinians. And one of the things we did, which was, we just drove about a mile from their house down to Jacob's Well. It was just, I don't have a bunch of these stories. I was only there for a couple of days, but I do have this story. I was, I, was, I was there. I was where this all happened, right in between Mount Ebal and Gerizim in, outside of Nablus. It's cool. I, there's not a punchline to that story. So. <laughs> but it's cool being able to remember it. Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming. <clears throat> a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true, the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. It, so it's a powerful passage and an invitation that Jesus takes on flesh and shows us what spirit and truth worship is. He shows us in his flesh what image bearers are supposed to be looking like, what they're supposed to be doing. And it's not always singing a song, you know. Sometimes it's just doing the next thing that the Father says to do. That's embodying worship. So there's all these, it's, it's practicing the presence of God. It's devotion, it's prayer, it's fasting, it's seeking God. It's all of these practices, but this is what it means to embody that. To embody Trinitarian Father, Spirit, truth, the truth of all truths, Jesus Christ, embody that worship in, in, a, in an image-bearing person. We are persons who worship the God who is persons in community. We are relational beings, and God made us that way. He embodies the Father, the Father's love in the flesh, and this is what the Father's looking for, this kind of worship that gets from the deepest place inside of us out. And, you know, sometimes how we grow in this, it is posture. It is lifting our hands to the Lord. It is kneeling and bowing and laying prostrate. Um, it's, it's dancing sometimes. It's being affected by this passionate love that you have for the living God who saved us, redeemed us, and making things right. We're not passive. We're not ambivalent. We're not just like, you know, it matters what happens with us on the outside as we embody worship. So here's the, here's the main thing, if you want to flash that up, um, is that uh, <laughs> if everybody wants to turn around and look on the back wall, it's back there. Uh, God wants us 
to embody worship, spirit and truth in our everyday lives. So what kind of stuff is that? Practically, that's everything that everybody's doing. It's so important. We get this because it's our jobs. It's school. It's, it's school for the kids. It's, it's school for teachers. It's, it's whatever it is we do vocationally. I mean, it's got to be something more than coming here for an hour or two on a Sunday. That only leaves then 166 hours of other stuff we're doing if we can't figure out how to embody worship in those spaces, in those places. So embodying worship, it's about our whole lives. It's words and songs and prayers and healing and justice. What am I embodying? That's the question. What am I embodying? We're all, we're bearing witness to something. We're embodying something. What am I making visible? And so that's, that's huge. So let's, let's talk about this for just a second. I want to talk about the problem and then the possibility. So first of all, the problem. And the, what, the, the problem, the way I want to frame this is, what is it that hinders us from embodied worship in our everyday lives? Okay, big macro level would be sin, right? We're fallen, and so we are so prone to things that turn, turn us away from God. Idolatry would be the first one I would mention, if you want to write one down. What hinders us? Idolatry. Idolatry, turning, giving our affections and devotion, our number one kind of priority of time, money, who we are, our thinking to something else besides God. You know, so idolatry, we don't, in the West, we don't think uh, bow down to an idol and burn incense on the streets. I mean, I've seen that in Bangkok, you know, I just, and I remember flying back on the jet and going, just, Lord, what is it about us? I know that we're not free from idolatry. It's just, it looks different. It looks different. People still sacrifice their kids on the idols of, we don't call it Molech, but Kids lose out because of driven, money, hungry, you know, all different kinds of things where kids lose, you know, and they get sacrificed on the devotion of parents to other things besides God. So uh, that's a real thing, the the idolatry piece, because we're going to worship. We are going to worship no matter what. Everybody's worshiping something and uh, so we want to worship the right thing. There are six Greek words in the New Testament for worship. Six Greek words. I want to highlight one right here, proskuneo. Proskuneo. And it means, proskuneo means to turn to kiss or to bow or to uh, fall prostrate before. Like that's a good, like proskuneo. It's the most used word for worship in the New Testament. Like all those things are good to do from time to time. You don't have to do them every week in here. Like, did you get your bowing, falling in? You know, it's not like that, but, but spirit and truth worship is going to affect us that way. Sometimes we're going to just be filled with love and devotion in our hearts and want to kiss the Lord, kiss the son as Psalm two says, you know, but that's, that's what's happening. Proskuneo. Proskuneo is used 24 times in Revelation. It's all lots of worship going on, Revelation. We talked about that some last week. The angels bowing down, worshiping. The elders casting their crowns down and worship Proskuneo. But almost half of those 24 times, it's used in worship that's to idols. It's a warning. It's a warning to don't give your worship to idols, to its idolatry or to the beast or to the dragon, you know, the beast. It's a really symbolic book, but I mean, that's, it's a great picture of Rome at the time when, when John was writing. And he's like saying, don't give your worship to the empire. You know, it's a great reminder for us. See, that would be something that would be really easy to see how that translates. Don't, don't give your affections that belong to God to the empire. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Shout me down. But how easy is it to do? It's really easy. In fact, John, who writes Revelation, twice has to be reprimanded to not worship something else besides God. In Revelation 19 and in Revelation 22, the angel standing before him, John falls down, proskuneo, 
to worship before the angel, and the angel says, don't do it. Get up. You know, give your worship to God and to God only. I mean, it's the apostle John. He's writing Revelation. It's greatest hits, man. It's in here, right? And he gives worship where he shouldn't give worship. Proskuneo, it's just a good, just don't give ourselves to idols. I, anybody like 1 John as a letter? It's great. It's got all the love stuff in there. God's light, God's love. You know, some great verses, refrigerator stuff. And, and, but then it ends, you know, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I remember that just burst, just lit me up just when I was first getting into ministry and just, I can know. I'm not this, it's not a yo-yo grace thing. You're saved, not maybe. Did you do good? Not, it's like, you can know. Do you know him? You can know. It's good news, right? But then he goes on down at the end of that chapter, chapter 5, verse 21, he ends. It seems like, like the needle on the record just kind of, and he says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. The end. Like that's the end of First John. But if you think about if we wake up to see how prone we are to give our affections to other things, it's a really timely, you know, God is love. Love one another. Don't give yourself and your love to something else. So, yeah, good word. So that's the first part of the problem. The second part, it would be, and this is not comprehensive. I just wrote some things down, right? But uh, distraction. So distraction's more subtle, uh, but if we're distracted, we may not be bowing down to something else, but we a lot of times don't give the worship that we should be giving to God. And so the enemy still wins. Even if you don't like incense, you know, you're not bowing down, you know, to your whatever, um, then, but you're just distracted and you still don't worship and embody worship. That then God misses out on part of, we miss out on part of our purpose for which we were created. The third thing, the problem is, is theological. And uh, so when I'm saying this, it's like, it's the way we tell the story. It's the way we tell the story of God, or it's the way we tell the gospel, you know, where, and in, in, in particular, it's the way we tell the story about the end. So believe this gospel and then you go to heaven when you die. That's not untrue. It's just very truncated in terms of the biblical witness, which has the end of the story involving resurrection of our bodies and a renewed earth, new heavens and new earth. Jesus is going to stay in heaven. Acts chapter 3 verse 21 says, until the time comes for the restoration of all things. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter says, but we look forward to the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21 and 22, it is that story of heaven and earth. God saying, behold, I'm, gonna, I'm with you forever. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And there's no separation between heaven and earth. The end of the story. And, and the, the deal is, we are so, uh, uh, just the water we swim in is, 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 is dualism. It's, it's, an, it's an eschatology that we were handed from the Greek philosophers of spirit is good, spiritual things good, physical things bad. And so we're out of this physical bad place and we go to the good place. And so then heaven then is popularized in cartoons, Far Side would be a great one, or um, just movies in general. The, the movie I grew up uh, really right in, when I was in high school was called Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. And this football player dies and goes to heaven. And heaven is like a lot of dry ice, in case you didn't know. Kind of dry ice, and you walk around, and he's playing a flute thing, I think. And, and just it looks really boring. You know, it's just dry ice everywhere, and some angels come up and talk to him and stuff. Like, that's Hollywood, but that's in our psyche. That's in the worldview of, uh, as Wright calls it, we've Platonized our eschatology. Just the, the idea there is that we've taken from Plato and from Greek philosophy, and we've kind of enforced that on our view of the end, rather than having a view of the end that's physical, that's, that ha- deals with resurrection. Jesus, like right now in heaven, there is a man with a glorified and resurrected body, the son of the living God. 
with a body. And we are going to be given resurrected bodies. You know, and so I know when I preach this stuff, I go around to the D schools and I'll preach it here sometimes. If you're newer, you may go, resurrection. Well, I, I know that's in there. And he says, if we don't believe in the resurrection, Jesus, the first fruits, then we're to be pitied because we're going to be raised from the dead. And if we're not going to, if he's not raised, then we're not raised. And what we, we don't even have a hope anymore. So we are resurrection people. We're going to be raised from the dead. I just a few weeks ago, speaking this out at a funeral, we're going to be raised from the dead. Not just, it's not just heaven. That's not the end of the story. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're with the Lord, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that heaven comes to earth, the renewed earth. No longer separation between heaven and earth, and we are resurrected to live with the Lord. So the part of the problem in our worship is theological then if we don't think that all of our body right now, our physicality matters. It matters right now how we live and what we do because we are pointing, we are welcoming, we are embracing and speaking forth with our life the justice, the grace, the life, the love, the worship of God with all that we are. This is such good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so, uh, so that's the problem. Enough on the problem. Um, but actually, that's hopeful, too. Even though I'm pointing out a problem, like we can live not in that place, but live embodied lives of worship. So here, let's talk about the possibility. And the possibility is embodied worship in our everyday lives. So what if, what if we embodied worship in our everyday lives? Can we just say that sentence together? What if we embodied worship in our everyday lives? Now just think about that in your own situation. What if my place of work was an altar of worship to the Lord? What if, what if my house was an altar of worship to the Lord? What if, and I know we've got a lot of people working from home right now, but what if my combo of work and house was an altar of worship to the Lord. It's, that's how we need to be thinking. What if my school and my activities, and because we're all doing stuff all the time, and the Lord wants to get a hold of our hearts, but to do that, part of the answer is we have to, we have to get a renewed imagination. I have to imagine myself worshiping like that. I have to imagine myself practicing God's presence. I have to imagine myself responding to the Lord in the way that Jesus modeled for us. I only do what I see the Father doing. And it's practice for us because nobody does it perfect. It's just practice. We talking about practice? Yes. We talking about practice. So, Amen. That's that, that, that is what we're talking about. That's the possibility, is embodying a life of revealing God's presence. Back to those six words of worship for a minute. So we did proskuneo. Um, let me, uh, so this was part of Jim's revelation. Hey, Jim. Um, this part of Jim's revelation was when a guy did a teaching on the six words of worship in the New Testament, and he realized that he hardly, that these words aren't just about a church service. Some of them are. Some of them are, but it's not just, you know, there's not a lot of in the New Testament tell you how to worship. Have you ever noticed that? It's like there's a lot of freedom there in how to, how to worship. Um, I, I remember years ago, <laughs> I had a friend and he told me about a, this small, I, I want to say Baptist, but I don't want to throw them under the bus. Let's just say it was a small group, church. And they took literally, it said when they, when they sang a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so this, this group would, taking that completely literally, whenever they sang a hymn, they all had to stand up and go out and then come back in before they could sing the next hymn. That's strange, right? It's kind of... Lily's <laughs> just Lily's staring at me. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, so it it doesn't tell us how to how to do it, but they do give us the spirit, these words. Liturgia. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. Liturgia. 
And it has to do with service that you do. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So service you perform is specifically this liturgia word. It has to do with service and something you do. And so, I mean, that's like a lot of life. He's talking about generosity there in 2 Corinthians 9, but that's a lot of our lives. It's just stuff we do. You know, we were created by God as his workmanship in order to do what? Good works. To do. Go out and do stuff. Be fruitful. Do things. Take care of things. Steward the earth well. Carry out your priorities well. Thusia is another uh, Greek word here, and it is translated sacrifice in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, and can I just say, going to, um, that it's always through Jesus. Our worship is always through Jesus. He's the great high priest for us. We, we don't have another way in. It's through Jesus. He was able to respond on our behalf in all that needed to happen to make things right, reconciliation and right with God. So through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. And I, I was struck by the continually part, the continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's embodying worship. Through Jesus, we are offering up with what comes out of our lips, praise to God, right? So another similar one would be, uh, excuse me, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The sacrifice there, you, you guys remember that? Sacrifice, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. So basically, everybody's got a, we don't have it on the screen today, but um, just flip in your Bibles, make notes of these passages. Are they, are they in the notes on the app? They are? Okay. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. There's another Greek word there, latria, for worship there. But the thusia is the sacrifice that we offer ourselves to God. And this is, we talk about this in terms of consecration, devotion, offering. Lord, here I am. Have your way in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me in the life I live in this body. I'm living by faith in the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, Eusebia is another Greek word there. I'll move on from these Greek words after this one, but it just means godliness. It's where Paul says in uh, uh, 1 Timothy 2.2 to to live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. And again, the kind of the big point I'm trying to make here as we envision what our lives would look like embodying worship, just we're not just thinking about this. As important as this is. In fact, we need this. I can't go do that without having a gathering time with my brothers and sisters. It's both and. But it is, it is and, you know. So it's, it's gathering and it's going. And we're going to talk some more about that next week, the gathering part. But it is, is gathering and going. Gathering and going. Coming together and being sent to go out to make a difference. That's why we talk so much about commissioning around here. That's why we talk about the spheres of influence that we represent in the city, that, that are the mission that we have, worship, community, and mission all fit together. And, and they're all out of the heart of God. That's who God is, this worshipful being of community that is on mission together. And to bear his image is going to be a step into that uh, with the Lord. So practically, hopefully this is practical because we're talking about taking it out. But this is going to be as creative and as imaginative as there are different people in here. There's not just one way of, of doing this. It's not, I'm giving you the bullets and now you go do this, do these steps. It's more like, Lord, give me your creativity for what embodying worship should look like in counseling and business and all the different things that are represented in real estate, all the different pieces that are represented in this room and online. You know, so what does that look like? And 
One thing that it has to look like as an end, it's, it's an end to that very Greek idea that I was talking about earlier, the end of the sacred secular dichotomy. That's not from God. What God wants us to get is that Jesus Christ is the true Lord of the world and that all of our life is under his lordship as disciples of Christ. Everything, everything, all the time. Uh, just all of life is under him. So what creative steps can I take in my own life? You know, and, and just because, you know, everybody, everybody's not supposed to be a pastor. That would just, you know, it's like point zero zero, whatever part of humanity pastors are. It's a very small percentage. We've got to have more happening in humanity than just pastors, right? Amen. You know, so... What, is, what creative steps can I take to be this person living my life out loud under the lordship of Jesus Christ? Um, I know teachers that are able to be bold and direct in their witness for Jesus Christ. It's powerful. I know others that because of their context have to be, you know, they, they can't be just say, you need to follow Jesus. They can't say it like that. But their life shines with a reflection of worship to the Lord. You know, and it's powerful. Uh, Mark McKinney, dear friend, he gets to, he can't be just totally saying it, but he goes all over the country teaching educators, teaching teachers about how to be good leaders and everything. And he'll have these offline conversations where they, if they ask him, you know, point blank, then, you know, he can have that conversation with people. But his life is shining. Um, I, I went, we've got a little neighborhood pool and I go there to read some uh, just during this time of year. And uh, yesterday I went there and I was reading uh, Worship Community and the Triune God of Grace by J.B. Torrance. Um, it's deep. It's making me think and worship God. And so I was kind of smiling, sitting there in the chair. And a guy walks in with his kids and he says, hey man, how you doing? I was like, doing really good, you know. And um, so we ended up interacting a little bit and and uh, so as I'm, as I'm walking out, I'm walking out, and I said, hey, see you guys later, and smiled and said, waved at the kids. And so I'd, I was walking on out near the gate, and I hear the little girl go, Dad, that man makes me happy. And, you know, I like made my morning, you know, like I want to make children happy because I'm shining with the grace and light of Jesus, Right. So just where I was going to is even in ministry, like full-time ministry, I've still got to be intentional about embodying worship because I can get just as lost in doing the next detail as anybody else can and lose a sense of God's presence or the fact that I'm worshiping and living that kind of life. We're we're all called in this together. Um, I remember years ago, the first time I went to Todd and Jackie's uh, Jackie's dad started a business back in the 40s, a roofing business. And I went to their uh, warehouse for the first time. And I kid you not, why would I do that? Um, I, that they had a chapel in their uh, warehouse. And, you know, I don't know how it always worked if the, if the, uh, if the, speaking of, um, I, I don't know if how excited those roofers were to have to listen to Jesse preach a message to them before they could go out and work. I don't know how that all worked, but he was trying. He was trying to embody worship and prayer and bringing the Lord right into his workplace. Um, Ross Connor out in Alito right now. I went and met with him a few weeks ago, and they've got, does anybody know that coffee shop out there? What's it called? So, uh, it, uh, it's a, anyway, it's a community center, basically a coffee shop, and they're doing business out of there, but they're also bringing all these different people in Alito together that love Jesus and want to see a Jesus way of Alito developing. It's just, it's really, really encouraging. It's going to look all different kinds of ways for all different kinds of people. But getting back to Jim Reynolds as the example I was using earlier, so he was a, a lawyer, and I know some people think lawyer and pastor and I know he had to probably deal with a lot of stuff about that, but he was a, a, a family lawyer in downtown Fort Worth and did that practice for 30 years, I believe. And so he heard these six words on worship, and then he said, you know what, I'm going to, 
I'm going to change the atmosphere by being a worshiper in my law practice. And so I want to share with you, you've got them on your app. I guess we don't have them for the screen today, but, um, but I want to go through these. These are just five affirmations um, as a plan for full-time ministers of the kingdom of God on earth. And you could pray these over your office or over your home or in your car. A lot of you guys spend a lot of time in your car, uh, in your living room. You spend time there. So number one, discard the deception that you are not a minister. Pray this prayer. Father God, I declare that I am your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works in the marketplace. This is my place of ministry. I accept your call, and I commit to faithfully walk in it from now on. And also, you can get more uh, on this week on the podcast that just came out. You can listen to Jim on the politics of Jesus there and hear these and other ideas of encouragement about this. Number two, reject the deception that your job in the marketplace is not kingdom business. Like, you know, I mean, just rejecting things and affirming things is really good for us. I've got a little book by a friend named Steve Backlund, and it uh, has a kind of a goofy looking guy on the front, but the title of the book is, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. Amen. The point is, we've got to speak out who we are, what God's called us to do, speak the truth to ourselves. I, I'll do it looking into the mirror. You know, you guys, I got it from Don Fento, and I literally will speak the truth of God over my life, looking into the mirror, and, and even practicing what an embodied smile should look like, <laughs> right? Because I, I was driving in this morning, I was like, embodied worship, embodied worship. Shouldn't that affect my face? <laughs> Lord, help me. I was a little tired or something, you know, like, Lord, help me. You know, embodied worship, okay? So uh, reject the deception that your job in the marketplace is not kingdom business. Pray, Father God, I bless my job in the name of the Lord Jesus. I repent of all negative thoughts, words spoken, and actions taken by me against my job. From now on, I will consider work our ministry together, and I will do everything to the glory of God so that my labor will, not, will constitute an act of worship. Like, my work is an act of worship. Yes, that's that liturgia word. Officially welcome the Lord Jesus into your workplace. Pray, Lord Jesus... I have heard you knocking on the door of my work, and now I open the door for you to come in. Thank you that as I do this, you do come in, and I recognize that without you, I have been wretched, miserable, poor, and blind. But now I have invited you to come in and have fellowship. Such fellowship will transform and restore this business. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are here to stay. And he always is, by the way. But, but it's for us. And everything changes when we start changing. It's not like he's not there. It's not like he's not holding all things together by the word of his power. We get really deceived about our separation in our enemy minds that are darkened. He's there. But are we going to see him? Let's welcome him. Number four, select a place of work as a symbolic altar. Isn't that practical? Like, Start selecting a place at your work, at your house, as a symbolic altar. Pray, Holy Spirit, I come to you to be filled with your presence. I pray also for spiritual gifts to be activated in my life and for you to grant me the fullness of your power for use to use them in my job, which is our ministry together. And then finally, number five, acknowledge the presence and the authority of the Father, Son, and Spirit in your workplace and pray, Father, Holy Father, Son, and Spirit, let this place of work or learning be the place of your habitation. May your presence fill every aspect of it, and may your eternal purposes be carried out in every detail and at every level so that the kingdom will be in evidence in my work and that eventually the whole earth will hear your voice. Amen. So, I mean, that's just, that's just being really practical. We were going over some of those the other day in our uh, uh, sermon planning time, and Lindy was like, oh, man, you've got to share those because it's just practical. It makes it real. It makes it, gives it handles. God is looking, the Father is looking for true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, image bearers who bear and express in our body language, in our words, in the way we act and live the worship of God. And you know, there are so many things coming against us in this. 
It, it just there's obstacles, there's hindrances, all those kinds of things. And sometimes if something's not working out right, you know, I can, I, I heard this illustration this past week. It's like riding in a little wagon. And if I'm going three miles an hour, how fast is three miles an hour? It's like, if I'm going this fast in a little wagon and I put my foot out, I can stop it. You know, I can make that wagon stop. But if something has like some real inertia behind it. Let's say it's like a locomotive is going three miles an hour. I I can't stop a locomotive. And that's where we need each other. We need the mind of Christ together to stand against the cultural inertia of just the distractions, the idolatries, the stuff that's coming against us, just participating with whatever and whatever the spirit of whatever's going down right now. We need one another to stand against, to be the church gathered, not just in spirit, ethereal, big C out there, but actually gathered, the people of God gathered, so that the enemy knows that those are my people right there. Antioch, Fort Worth is right there. It's real. It's tangible. And every house group, every life group, Every discipling relationship, it's real, it's tangible, and they are standing against the work of the enemy, and they are standing for the praise of the living God in this place. There is the testimony of Jesus right here, and it's powerful, and uh, we overcome the momentum of just, I mean, you could apply that not just to worship, but all kinds of other stuff, shame, sin, I can't. I can't overcome that by myself, but I can when you tell me that I'm renewed in Christ. When you tell me that I'm forgiven in Christ. When I tell you you're forgiven and God loves you and and we need each other because we're made in the image of the relational God of love, it only makes sense that our personhood, our, our image would only be fully expressed when we're living in relationship with other people, right? So, man... I think that's it, embodied worship. There's more to say, but I'm going to stop there. Let's stand up. Mike, come on up. So thankful for Mike Reese leading worship today. Yeah, I just, I was, literally as I was driving, I totally didn't know how I was going to finish here today, but I, I was just like, Lord, and I heard these two questions, where and when? Where and when do you need to embody the worship of God? Where, when, does that, is that in the day, in the evening? And where is that that the Lord is speaking to you? And so, Father, I just, I want to ask right now, Lord, if there's hindrances, things we need to turn from, like we said a few weeks ago, Lord, are there places where we need to get in line, Lord Jesus, with the way you think? the way you think about God, the way you think about us. And that's repentance. Changing the way we think from, and not trying to get you to think our way, but thinking your thoughts. And being set free to worship with your heart that you've brought us into the very throne room of God, seated us with you, just at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And Lord, for coming ages, you're going to put on display the grace of God expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you allow us now to participate in our bodies with physicality, just in what's really coming, a physical, renewed, restored, reconciled worship of the living God with every tribe, language, nation, and tongue proclaiming that you are great and you are worthy. Lord, help us. Where there's decisions that need to be made, Lord, where there's a new confidence that you're wanting to bring, Lord, release it in Jesus' name. Place desire in our hearts. Give us grace, Lord, to turn away from things that are just junk food. Just It's, it's a distraction. Yeah, Lord, and really help us see anything that we're bowing down to. Turn from idols. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols.
Yeah, if you came with somebody, just you might just pray a, pray a prayer over them that this would be released in their lives. This kind of worship, embodied worship. Just take a moment. We've got literally just a minute to do this. Pray for each other.